Thanks for your faithfulness to God for coming out, whether you're online or whether you're here live, for coming out to worship this morning. There's a lot going on in our world. There's a, there's a million things you could have chosen to do today, and you decided to take the time and make the time to let God know that He is a priority in your life. And so thanks for doing that. Here in the upper Midwest, uh, we are entering harvest season. If you've got a garden, there's a pretty good chance that your garden is already starting to give you some of the benefit of all that work that you put in this year. Uh, as we're beginning to gather up the things that we planted in the springtime, it makes it a great time to study the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because while we're thinking about harvest, studying the fruit of the Spirit gives us an opportunity to take a look at our spiritual harvest. What is it that you're growing on the inside? What are you working on? What is it that you're putting effort into becoming? So today we're going we're gonna to continue this series on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Think about your spiritual harvest. What is it that you have to show for your efforts? What is it that the world sees that you've been doing in the time that you spend alone with God? So how is it going? How, how is it for you as you think about the fruit of the Spirit, if this is your first Sunday here with us, I'm going to read you the passage that we're following. Uh, it's where Paul talks about it in his letter to the, to the church in Galatia, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I've talked about in the weeks before this that the fruit of the Spirit, first of all, we understand it's a grouping that all goes together. When you have an apple tree in your yard or a pear tree in your yard, you don't call it an apple's tree or a pear's tree, even though there's a whole bunch of fruit that it produces. You call it an apple tree or you call it a pear tree because the source of that fruit is all the same. It's all one kind, just different different expressions of it. And the fruit of the Spirit all comes from the same source. That's why it's not fruits of the Spirit. It all comes from the same source. And the source is God's Holy Spirit. And then I've talked about how they're grouped in three different ways. The first grouping, love, joy, and peace, those are inward signs of the Holy Spirit within us. Maybe it's not something that world sees quickly on the outside, but we know on the inside that God is at work within us. The second grouping, peace and patience and kindness, those are outward expressions that are seen by others of the Holy Spirit within us. And then the third grouping, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those are upward, godly-focused expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. Today we're going to be talking about goodness and faithfulness. Last week I, I ended and I, I gave you a challenge. And the challenge, if you were willing to take it up, was go out there this week and intentionally, consciously be kind to people who don't deserve it. Be kind to people that, that don't expect you to be. Be kind to people who aren't nice. Be kind to the obnoxious people. The, that man or the woman at the office that's always driving you crazy and you just want them to go away. Be kind to them. See what it, see what it does. And, and if you took me up on the challenge... Did it surprise you? Did you surprise anyone else? The reason is the world maybe expects Minnesota nice from us, but we talked about that last week. What the world doesn't expect is kindness. The world doesn't expect you to be kind to people when they don't deserve it. And yet that's exactly what it is that God would have us to be because it's a statement of God in us. 
And so we're going to build on that this week with the third of the outflowing fruit of the Spirit and the first of the upflowing. And that's goodness and faithfulness. Let's start with goodness. Good is a word that get used, gets used in our culture all the time. And if you think about it, goodness just it doesn't seem to make sense. That would be almost like the Bible including niceness. Now, why, do, why would niceness be one of the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it isn't. We talked about that. Kindness is. So there must be something about being good that isn't just immediately obvious because good seems kind of like a toss-out word. I mean, you think about it. Good luck. What does that mean? We had a good time. Well, what does that mean? A good job. Well, what does that mean? He's a good guy. What does that mean? Good morning, is it? We use the word good all the time. And yet, and here's our first clue. The gospel of Jesus is referred to as the good news. There's something more going on with the word good that it's listed as the fruit of the Spirit. Obviously, good is more than what is immediately apparent. When you, when you go back to the Greek, the language the New Testament was written in, and you look up this word goodness, Strong's, which has the concordance that breaks down the words and put them in Eng- puts them in English for us, talks about goodness as a characteristic that comes from God. And so what that means today is that there's a lot more going on in the word goodness than just the good stuff that we think that we do for people. Goodness as a fruit of the Spirit means that you've met God personally. And now you're filled with goodness, but that goodness is really a godliness. The goodness doesn't come from you at all. The goodness that's a fruit of the Spirit is a result of the godness living in you. It is God inside of you. And that hit me really heavy this week. So it isn't about doing. It isn't about saying, I'm going to go out there and do good things for people. It isn't about doing at all. It's about being. Who are you? What are you? What is really inside you? What drives you? It isn't about doing things out there. It's about being and what is on the inside of us that works its way out into the world. What the world sees as goodness in us is really the God in us. It gives a whole new meaning to Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus is God's shepherd for us. Goodness, then, isn't something that we well up on our own. Goodness is a product of a good heart, a God-focused heart. The goodness that we're talking about in the fruit of the Spirit isn't about us being great people or being super kind. It's about God at work and alive in us. So you look at history. Humanity's greatest example of goodness on display is Jesus. And if we look at the life of Jesus, which should, by the way, be the example of the life that we want to live as followers of him, Jesus should be our bar. Jesus should be what we look to to model our life after. He always obeyed God. Even the goodness in Jesus was a reflection of God in Jesus. He obeyed God even to the cost of his own life. He always acted in a way that didn't make himself famous, but rather that honored people and gave glory to God, his heavenly Father. Jesus always, always put others ahead of himself. Jesus was always godly. Jesus was always good. And when we look at good and godly in the life of Jesus, it begins to let us understand what's meant by the fruit of the Spirit. 
So if we live our lives in an attempt to become more like Jesus, which is what we're supposed to do, because we're supposed to grow in our likeness of Him every day, what that means is that we're going to think and act and speak more like Jesus. We're going to see people more like Jesus did. We're going to treat them more like Jesus did. And that kind of goodness doesn't just come from us. That kind of goodness can only come from the Holy Spirit in us. It means that we will grow in our display of the goodness that's in us because of the godliness that we're filled with. Just like Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, we too, have given, who have given our lives to Jesus, are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you've submitted your life to Him, you have the Holy Spirit in you. What that means is that the fruit of the Spirit has been planted and has already begun to grow. Just like Jesus, we should be showing the world around us the Holy Spirit that lives within us, who is alive within us by our godliness. The next thing in the list of the Spirit, uh, fruit of the Spirit, is faithfulness. Again, it's one we have a hard time completely understanding. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. So faithfulness then... Godly faithfulness, living in the fruit of the Spirit faithfulness, is the action of living out in confidence the hope and the assurance that we have in Jesus that we cannot see. People who are unbelieving, who choose not to accept that Jesus is the Son of God, who don't believe in God at all, always want proof. Well, prove to me that He exists. Faith exists in that which we cannot show, but we know that we see and we believe in ourselves and in others. Faith is living in that hope and assurance, even when we can't write down on a piece of paper. Here's the obvious reasons that Jesus is real. Jesus is real as he's shown in the lives, the transformed lives of human beings. So faithfulness, then, is a commitment to a person or to a cause. Faithfulness is staying the course with conviction all the way to the end. Faithfulness is steady and sure. Faithfulness is running the race that is our life with all that we have as we run for Jesus. I was trying to think of an example, and it kind of was, was hard to come up with one over the last week. I thought about 1973. I was still a kid then, which means it was a long time ago. The world met this horse named Secretariat. Secretariat was a horse like no one had ever seen. In all the years of horses and horse races, Secretariat was more than fast. He was fast and he was fierce. He won the Triple Crown and he did it in such a way, he didn't just beat the other horses, he annihilated them. He literally ran away from them. In the Belmont Stakes... The Belmont is a one-and-a-half-mile race. That is a long way for a horse to run at full sprint. One-and-a-half miles at a full sprint. Secretariat won that race by 31 lengths. That means there was a distance of 31 other horses between him and second place. Unheard of in the world of horse racing. But that wasn't the most incredible thing. When they went back and started watching the film... When they started actually dissecting this race, they realized something. Secretariat ran with such conviction and faithfulness and purpose that every step, every stride, every second, he was gaining speed. For a mile and a half straight, 
Secretariat got faster the entire distance of that race. Secretariat, he ran to win. He was committed to the very end to the point that he accelerated through a mile and a half even though he was 31 lengths ahead of horse number two. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, he talks about telling Timothy, be faithful to the race. Run the race with conviction all the way to the end. Paul talks about our life as a race and that we are to finish strong. We are to keep accelerating in our faith all the way to the end. So i got a question for you. If you're a person of faith, are you accelerating in your faithfulness? Are you getting stronger in your faith in this race that is life? Are you accelerating? Are you, are you doing that thing that a lot of horses do? You know, they, they, they're in the lead, and, and if you've watched horse racing, they're in the lead, and they, they, almost, they almost catch a stride, and they just hold it. They get comfortable. They get comfortable, and they just kind of start coasting. And here's the thing. If you're not accelerating in your faith, that's the opportunity that other horses catch up to the lead horse, but it's also the opportunity that the enemy of God has to catch up to you. If you're not accelerating and growing in your faith, then Satan is making time on you. The lesson from Secretariat is, as we run our race, run it in faithfulness and accelerate all the way to the end. I don't care how old you are. We should keep going and keep growing in our faithfulness and the service to Jesus all the days of our life, all the way to the end. But that's hard. It's difficult to think of that, to imagine doing something, anything, all day, every day, for the rest of your life. Imagine running for a mile and a half and getting faster with every step. Imagine accelerating in your faith every day of your life. That means in good times and bad times. It means in easy and difficult times. Because faithfulness is a commitment to live for God one day at a time, every single day. And if you're going to do that, doesn't it make sense to accelerate? To keep getting faster and stronger and deeper in faith? If you think that that's tough to imagine doing anything for the entire length of your life, I had to find something out there that's been, been faithful to its purpose for longer than we've been alive. There's a light bulb in the Livermore, California Fire Department, station number six. That light bulb was put in, turned into its socket to light the trucks in the station in 1901. And for all the research that I can do on the Internet, that light bulb is still burning more than 120 years later. And it occurs to me that if a light bulb that is designed to work for a year, maybe two, can keep burning faithfully for 120 years, surely you and I can live faithfully to God for a few decades. And if we're going to be faithful, doesn't it make sense to accelerate and grow every step of the way? And yet what happens is some of us take our salvation for granted. And rather than living for Jesus... What we do is we think, well, I believe in you, Jesus, and so now it's your time to start blessing me. It's your time to do a little bit more of the work because I believe in you. I put my hope in you, Jesus. When I've got a crisis in my life, I come to you with a prayer. And there's this subtle shift that happens in some people's theology that has some folks believing that somehow Jesus owes us one and that he's there to serve us. Even though Jesus did his part for us on the cross, and now it is our turn to serve him. It's almost as though we expect Jesus through history to be the one who's accelerating in his faithfulness toward us. When we're the ones who are called 
to be faithful to Him. Our faithfulness is how we live and show the world who Jesus really is to us. And the world's paying attention. They're listening, even if you're not saying anything. See, the the fruit of the Spirit is evidence to the unbelieving world around us that we have a heart for Jesus, the way that Secretariat had a heart for racing. Even if you're not a horse racing fan, you probably know the name of that horse. People who don't believe in Jesus probably know what you believe. And they're looking to you for the example of what exactly that means to you. I have to imagine that somewhere around the the mile mark in that race, Secretariat would have just turned around and goes, I got this. I'm going to win all three of these. I'm going to win the triple crown. Obviously, he doesn't think like that. But in a horse's mind, he's there to win a race, and he turns around. He's clearly won the race. It would be time to coast and lay off. Just run to finish, just like it's tempting for us to get spiritually and emotionally lazy and to get a little bit drained when we feel like we're getting tired in our race. And yet Paul tells us to press on. In Galatians, Galatians 6, 9, he wants to encourage us and he says this, Let's not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap or we will harvest if we don't give up. So then as we have opportunity, and the opportunity that we have is another gift from God, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. I made the comment last week that so many people treat animals better than they treat other believers. I don't understand that. Paul is saying let us take every opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith, other believers. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, he says, As for you, brothers... Do not grow weary in doing good. Don't coast in the race. Don't think that you've got it won because your ticket is stamped for heaven. Keep running. Keep growing. Keep going. To show goodness to others in the Holy Spirit is to show God to others for His glory. But that's not easy. I know that that's not easy. Running this race of life is hard because the enemy of God throws all kinds of stuff in our path to trip us up. And in addition to that, life is tough. And some of you have had some great conversations since we started this series. Some of you have come to me and have been really bothered. And it's a wonderful conversation that's followed because you're bothered because you say, I feel like I believe in Jesus and I'm living for Jesus, but I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in my life the way you're talking about. You say, I love Jesus. I don't doubt that you do. You say, you want to live for Him. I absolutely believe it. You say, I still get mad. I got Minnesota nice down, but I'm not always as kind as I should be. I get frustrated with other people on the road. My patience isn't should be what it is with my kids or my spouse or my boss. You still get frustrated. You're still afraid. And you feel like there's something wrong with you. They're that. That's totally normal. See, see, the enemy would have you get tripped up and say, "What? it's not even worth trying. Just give up. But the reality is that's what it is to be a human. It isn't sinful. At least it isn't necessarily sinful. And I appreciate and I applaud you for that honest self-reflection when you admit that maybe you don't really have the peace or the joy that we talked about in, in week two. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Maybe what it is, you just need to focus more on doing what's right. Remember I made that statement the last couple of weeks that we have to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. Just like we have to weed a garden. 
We have to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. We must be intentional about it. Maybe it isn't what you're doing wrong at all, but rather it's just simply that you're neglecting to do what's right and necessary. Maybe it's because the fruit of the Spirit hasn't been a focus of your efforts. Do you read your Bible every day? Do you pray? Are you connected to a life group or somehow connected to another group of believers? Do you wake up in the morning with the intention of growing in your faith? Do you wake up in the morning saying, how is it that I can accelerate in my faith today? Do you volunteer at your church or or to other places that help put you around people that encourage you to grow in faith? Maybe it's that you don't see the fruit exhibit in your life because you're not feeding the source. And the source is God's Holy Spirit at work in us. And if we don't partner along with Him, see, God, God isn't going to force the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to do anything that you don't want. If we don't work along with Him and if we don't cooperate, that fruit is just going to sit there. Maybe it's just that you haven't paid attention. Maybe you haven't cared about it or thought about it before this series came around. If that's the case, that's either not knowing or maybe a little bit of apathy, but it's not necessarily sin. What we have to understand is that goodness and faithfulness both come from God. We don't wake up one day in the morning and say, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to be extra good. I'm going to be extra faithful. Whatever measure of good and faithful is in us, whatever measure of good and faithful we consider and commit to, it's really a sign of God's Holy Spirit at work within us. We come to faith through the Holy Spirit. We grow in faith through the Holy Spirit. It's not us at all. In fact, Paul says in Romans 7, 19, For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. If we're not focused on God and if we're not accelerating in our faith, then what we're probably doing is coasting and getting lazy, and the enemy of God is catching up to us. And that's what Paul's talking about. I don't do the good that I want, but the evil I don't want is what I keep on doing. See, it's God alone through the death and the resurrection of Jesus as our Savior and the indwelling in all of us power of His Holy Spirit that can lift us up out of our lives of perpetual and continual sin. Otherwise, we try to do it on our own and it's never going to happen. Jesus once was, they were trying to kind of puff Him up and make Him feel good and Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. From that, we've adopted this phrase, God is good all the time. Then some people respond all the time, God is good. Just as God is love, God is also good. But God is good all the time. Whether things in your life are going the way you want them to or whether they're not. Whether your life is fun or whether your life is filled with sorrow. Whether you're struggling or whether you're succeeding, God is still good all the time. And all the time, God is good for all of us us who love Him. Psalm 33, 4 says, The word of the Lord is true. He is faithful in all he does. Our faithfulness is an expression of God's faithfulness through us. The Bible is full of the evidence of the faithfulness of God. And here's the thing. If you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, whatever your story is, part of your story, part of your testimony, part of your truth is the faithfulness of God at work in your life. You've maybe never thought of it that way before, but you are sitting here watching right now. You're watching as a testament to the faithfulness of God at work in you. See, God's not like us. God doesn't say one thing and then turn around and do something else. God is good and God is faithful all the time. 
All the time, God is good and God is faithful. Amen. Amen in the back. we got stereo amen, so that's a good one. Thanks to God's Holy Spirit alive in us and at work in us and the fruit that he has planted in us, we can then be a living example of the goodness and the faithfulness of God ourselves. But we don't do it on our own. So the question then is, how will you live out the fruit of the Spirit that is already in you to the world around you this week? I've read a number of versions of this, and the best that I can do is tie it to a, um, a quote that's attributed to Chief Sitting Bull. I've used this in a message before, but it's appropriate today. Sitting Bull said, inside of me there's two dogs. One is mean and evil, the other is good, and they fight each other all the time. Somebody asked him, which one wins? And his answer was, the one I feed the most. The fruit of the Spirit is within you now, but the enemy of God is lurking. Whether you live in the fruit of the Spirit and the world sees it or not is up to you. It's a matter of what are you going to feed? What will you nourish? What is it that's accelerating your life? Is sin accelerating or is goodness and faithfulness in the fruit of the Spirit? You have to decide to feed and exercise the fruit that's already in you. You do that by surrounding yourselves with other believers. Maybe they help shore you up or sit you up or lift you up when you're not feeling it yourself. If you're not surrounding yourself with other believers who are living in faith, if you're not intentionally diving into God's Word, if you're not intentionally seeking to accelerate your faith, then you are at risk of starving the fruit within you by immersing yourself in the brokenness and the temptation and the darkness of this world. I think in some way there's a great connection to Secretariat who even though the race was run, ran for everything he had and all he was worth. He accelerated all the way to the end. Paul says in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There is a battle going on in the spiritual realm for you, for your heart and for your soul, for your commitment, for your life. Who's winning the battle within you? Which dog are you feeding? Because one of them right now is out, out accelerating the other. Which is the one you're feeding? Which is the one that you're exercising? So I can answer it from here. We don't even have to have a conversation, and it's real simple. The one that's winning is the one that you're feeding. Which is the one that you're helping to accelerate? Is it the God in you, or is it the world around you? Because at the end of the day, only one of those is going to win the race that is this life. But you get to decide. What is your decision? Who will you feed? Let's pray. God, thank you for Paul and for the times that over and over and over in his letters in the New Testament we read about goodness and faithfulness. We read about peace and joy and patience and self-control. We read about all the fruit of the Spirit. Because, God, he realized how important that was in the life of a believer. And, God, the, using the example of a horse race might seem a little bit out of left field. But that whole notion of accelerating is awfully significant. Because all of us are speeding towards something. We're, we're speeding toward whatever it is that we're feeding. And if it's something of the world, it will take everything that we have and more. But God, if what we're feeding is you, if our focus is you, if what we're running toward is you, God, you will just continue to give us more and more and more to help us in that race. 
All of us, by our decisions every day, are accelerating towards something. Some of us are choosing to accelerate in our sin. And some of us are wanting to accelerate in our faithfulness. And then, God, some of us have have worked through that. And some of us are running the race that is our life, and we're accelerating in our faithfulness, faithfulness and becoming more and more like our Savior Jesus every day. God, the, the Holy Spirit that is within us would desire that, that we're chasing You and we're chasing hard after You. Help us to be people who look and live and act and talk more like Jesus every day. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. For the rest of you, you get the chance to go out and exercise the fruit of the Spirit. So what's your challenge this week? You know, I would say twofold. Number one, work on, think about consciously, intentionally, work on accelerating in your faith. Work on accelerating in your relationship with Jesus. Don't coast to the end. Accelerate to the end. And then you've got an opportunity dozens of times a day to show God's goodness through you. Your godliness, which isn't about you at all, but God's being alive in you, that goodness to the people around you. I challenge you to go find people and just go shine the light of Jesus on them.